Hello and welcome to Voices in Innovation from GigaOM. I am your host, Johnny Baldisberger, and today we're going to listen to a conversation between analyst John Collins and Bolo Rotibi, the Research Director of Software Development and Delivery from CCS Insight. They're going to be talking about how the principles behind DevOps need to be recast to fit today's dynamic environments, and they're going to discuss the role of discipline as the gateway to sustainable innovation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I've known Bola for an awfully long time, uh, longer than I, than I dare to, to imagine. And uh, Bola, I know you've been covering software stuff for, for an awfully long time as well. Uh, so. What I don't know is 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 how you ended up doing this. Um, you know, what 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 actually you know, we, we've spent so long chatting, but but not in terms of, of how you got to to where you are today. So maybe just give us a bit of insight in, into uh, into into your background and how you ended up doing this software development analyst stuff. Yeah, no, no, that's it's not often I get um, asked that question. Strangely enough, <laughs> actually, um, well, I had a technical background. I mean, I started life as a as an engineer in the um, in the early um, in the early nineties, and um, and then I got kind of a taste for development um, um, when I joined um, the advanced control team at um, Air Products. And um, it was just a different world. Loved loved all the development, much more real time, much more fast acting, and could see the um, interaction. Then um, and then I had a stint as a developer, senior developer for Reuters in their real time group. And then and then sort of did another career change and became an analyst. And in fact, in many ways, you know, it's where I am at home the most, the best, really, and have been an analyst for twenty years now. Gosh. Right, well. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's quite scary. But, but you've, you've got you've got that solid back. What were you programming in, by the way? Oh that? gosh. Well, you see, this is the thing. I started my programming life out in Fortran seventy seven, and then Good Pascal. Lord. I know it's a long time ago, um, and then um, I became a fairly competent C programmer at Reuters. I love C, actually, um, if I can say that. And then I became a a, a not so competent Java developer. <laughs> Like, strange enough, I did actually quite like Java, but I um, I was accused once of writing it like a procedural language. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's because um, I, 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 I was a Pascal program. We're we're not digressing too much. This is the whole point of the podcast, so we're fine. We're on good ground. Um, but uh, I was a Pascal programmer, and then we all moved to C. And I remember someone. It wasn't me. Um, but someone pointing out about someone else that they'd just written C like Pascal. Because um, <laughs> right, you, know, so, yeah. <laughs> you can. because That old adage, real programmers write Fortran in any language. You know, it's, um, well, it's, I, um, I hate to say that. Well, one thing I did, would never write Fortran in is I once did a, um, a display, um, um, a visual display in Fortran, never again, ever. Interesting. <laughs> That's it. No, 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 no. Um, thankfully for the modern languages, should I say, when I think about UX and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then I moved into analysis um, and um, had a sort of um, long career as an analyst, um, as I've said. Um, and I ran my own company, um, Creative Intellect Consulting, from 2010 to um, 2019 before joining, um, uh, merging my company with CCS Insight. Um, um, and taking on the role of research director for software development and delivery. Um, uh -huh. and that's basically in a potted nutshell. 
Fantastic. I put it in that shell. I know. Is that, can one say Take that? Them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely better than those nutted pot shells. Um, yeah. And <laughs> um, the, so ultimately, all, all, because we're, we're here to talk about DevOps, which is a kind of nefarious term that uh, it, it's one of those, uh, it's almost a, a Rorschach test of, uh, you know, everyone thinks they, they know what it means and everyone means something slightly different but um mm -hmm. with your with your background as a program and then you've seen for the past 20 years as uh, someone uh, observing how uh development has evolved um i guess I'm, I, I want to wrap three questions into one let's see how i get on one <laughs> is how have you seen that evolution because i i know that a lot of the um even back then we were talking about you know agile and dynamic software development and and a lot of the devops principles are kind of um uh, they, yeah. they were relevant then and they're relevant now um but then also um how much has that been become embraced by by the wider community and then also what challenges do you see uh that are still there or that are new now that are kind of really because a lot of organizations are, and people listening to this are going, this DevOps thing's great theory, but it's so hard. How, how, would, how would you articulate hard uh, when, when it comes well, to DevOps today? Okay, I mean, I'm going to unpack all of that into the three sections. Good for you. <laughs> talk about. Um, well, to be honest with you, I think that we have always in this industry had an, a, a challenge in terms of bringing all the different roles together. So I think DevOps is kind of just, is another way of kind of addressing that whole kind of um, bringing the, you know, sort of getting everyone working together and on the same page. You know, um, one of the things I talk a lot about is the fact that in the early days we talk about, you know, the development team, we talk about Agile. Agile was all about getting the right stakeholders in the room connecting and talking about you know getting things done quickly um and especially talking to the end users right and it was cross-functional cross teams cross-functional teams but I don't remember. you remember if you go back to the 90s we had total quality which was a big thing in the engineering world cross-functional teams mm, cross-functional teams so These i are think champions yep 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 yes yeah, this, this has been a theme running through the whole of the kind of the tech industry. And I think part of the fact is, is the realization that, that it's been disconnected. We kind of have the developers, technical guys, whichever, on whatever level, whether they're hardware technical, software technical, you know, sort of design, tech, you know, design capability, they all tend to work in their silos. And so when you have that silo kind of working, which is fine in some things where you want to have a separation concern, but the point is, is how do you join it all together so that you've got this continuum um, of, you know, sort of understanding everyone on the same page and delivering something to the right outcome, whether that's the outcome for an end user or a quality, you know, from a quality perspective. So I think that has always been, and we've had different words for it. We've tried to talk about governance. In my days, we talked about application lifecycle. Um, ALM, Application Lifecycle Management then, but prior to that was ITIL and ITSM. And in fact, actually, we still got all of those around. And DevOps is, we've tried to home in on sort of saying where the real problem was. Was it developers throwing everything over the wall to the operators? And even now, De DevOps has become even broader. So it's not just about the de 
developer than the operators, but is now starting to encompass to think about the business. And when we talk about outcome um, versus, you know, sort of um, all the underlying um, ex execution capabilities and all that kind of stuff, it's really about, well, how do we bring the core kind of um, sort of stakeholder roles, which might be business, development, and operations in that, mm -hmm. have that constant feedback loop and making sure that you can maintain, manage, govern, and have some sort of level of compliance. So I think that is, is just another term for things we've been doing all along. Um, and we've just had problems with trying to get that. And every time we do two steps forward, one step mm -hmm. back. Does that help? Uh, uh, no, it does help. And, and I think that the very last thing that you said there is, um, something I've been puzzling about because um, the I'm, I'm trying it, it it's a bit like you know men's health magazine where you, <laughs> the, the front the front cover will will say how to get a six pack in six weeks and um, so the I know that a lot of people will buy that and people have been buying that for like 30 years you know 50 yeah. years these kinds of you know, self-improvement kind of things and actually they might get so far and they might feel better for a little while. And the magazine vendor doesn't actually care that much because they'll sell a few more mags for that. Yeah, they'll sell their monthly uh, quota. Um, and it's just a continuum. It's just like kind of, a, mm. it'll always be problematic. We can always make a little bit of improvement from time to time, but we're not actually necessarily uh, changing the human race. We're, we're just kind of helping a few people in tactical ways. Uh, from, from time to time but but I'd like to think that uh, the 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 way that, uh, that software best practice has evolved is not just a, a how to get a six pack in six weeks kind of thing but there, yeah. there is that six pack element to it it's um yeah and to be honest with you I think the thing is is it look one of the things are yeah because I, I hear what you're saying is that you know there is a tendency that we can sort of think about you know get a bit cynical about the whole thing um, but I actually think that with every kind of iteration, yeah. <laughs> I just See what get you that. Did there. Um, with every iteration, there is, you know, we do make improvements. I mean, there's no two ways about it. The tools are better today. Mm. They are mm. a lot better. Everything you can, you know, you can do, they're more productive, they're better. You know, there is a better relationship inside of development teams and between the rest of, you know, the kind of stakeholders that they all have to interact that is so much better than before. I know sometimes when I talk to people who've been long in the industry, they'll say things like, oh, well, we used to do that back in the kind of 80s, or yeah, we used to do that back in the 90s. And everyone harks back to the days when it was all so much better. And I think the thing is, is that yes, there were things that we used to do possibly better, but I think they're coming all together in a much more streamlined, more effective way. And that's to say that that's the real positive that we can take from this. In fact, there's still a long way to go because things change and nothing is in a vacuum. Um, but I would say that I'd go back, you know, we go two steps forward, maybe one step back, you know, and it's not always one step back in certain areas. But I think, you know, that's a fair, you know, fair assumption is we generally are better at doing things now. The tools I, I... are so much better. I guess the difference with the six pack, the six pack, the six pack analogy is that um, humans don't change, and therefore that is definitely just a kind of constant tactical, yeah. uh, quick fix you, trying you to do. Whereas the 
the information revolution is, is fantastically dynamic. And uh, so any improvement concept, um, be it agile, uh, dynamic, whatever, DevOps, is always struggling to keep up with the, the yeah. fact that, um, that, that totally. things are moving on. Um, I would give that to that six pack idea because I quite like that. But the thing is, is well, we may not, well, my men may not all have six packs, <laughs> yeah, but a lot more men know about how to get a six pack or the fact that maybe a six pack is not a bad thing to get. Yeah, it's all about the whole general knowledge of, you know, sort of health and general, yeah, general health and fitness. So I would think that we're probably as a, as a kind of species much more aware of that than say possibly before when it was almost subliminal you know people who worked out in the fields they kind of like were kind of healthy and fit but not necessarily had all the great advantages but you know we had a much better outside uh, you know relationship with nature and all this kind of stuff but it was kind of like we lived that whereas now we are more aware of that the relationship with good health comes with you know good fitness uh -huh. mental you know requirements but it also you can have supplements whether that's herbal supplements or whatever but there i think there's a better knowledge between the relationship cause and effect if that makes sense and that no and that does make sense and, and I'm, I'm thinking linking that into um uh because i've got my cynical cynical head over on my right shoulder and my kind of positive head over on my left shoulder and um um i'm thinking about um things like business agility and, and digital transformation and all of those concepts and there was this idea disrupt or disrupt or you're doomed kind of um attitude which when i started being an analyst 20 years ago um that was that was kind of it was e-business or no business it was kind of you know you, you're either you need to be online or you're going to go completely out of business and there's a lot of businesses that never went to, yeah kodak went out of business blockbuster went out of business but oh but ev everyone else is kind of uh, back again carried on uh oh that's true that's true making jigsaws yep. um but um uh, <laughs> i i think that it is possible to be cynical but what we've also seen is whereas agility in its conceptual sense was seen as the exceptional thing now i think all organizations recognize that agility needs to be core to what they're doing and uh, DevOps is a kind of applying agility to that development. And you know, yeah. if all businesses are software businesses, it's applying that agility to the software business part of business. Yeah, it's, it's, it's guidance, actually, to become, because it's like anything. It's like, you know, I trained as a chemical process control engineer. Um, and I left the, the industry as a chartered engineer. And in my chartered status and applying for chartered status, I had to prove a number of, you know, adherence to a number of kind of capabilities. And I think to a certain, yeah, and I think that, you know, and, and then ongoing improvement um, um, from that perspective. And I think that is really what DevOps and all of this, all of these, you know, sort of initiatives are, this progression to here are some guidance principles to how the best way of getting the right outcome, you know, and equality right outcome and having mm -hmm. that best insight and auditability and having the relationship and then getting information back we have known i mean i think one of the first reports i wrote um, many years ago um was you know looking at the cost of software you know um, and looking at the data which was uh, yeah tens of you know years old which was basically saying that the sooner that you make a correction up front the more the cheaper it is further down the line 
and that hasn't and we we talk about you know, shift left and it was like oh well hold on just a minute surely that is obvious <laughs> but we all seem to feel forget about that we just have to recast the story in the context of the environment climate that we're in now so uh -huh. with every with every progression the the kind of the narrative slightly changes but the principles are the same and i think that's the real thing actually is that we're all trying to find a new way of you know sort of um you know, sort of expressing what we know is right, but in the today's current climate, which is why the story has now moved to, you know, sort of hybrid cloud, cloud and DevOps in that environment and all of those kind of things. Although I'd like to say, you know, I'd like to say it here is that I've now thought that, you know, we now can talk about cloud application lifecycle management, calm, <laughs> a moment of calm. What a great <laughs> so, idea. <laughs> Did you just think of that? Is that is well, that a thing? I've been for quite a while, so I wanted to get out there. <laughs> I'm trying to get okay. it out there in okay, well, places. Let, 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 let's this be the day that calm reached the world. Um, yeah. Again. And hopefully it's the um, calm, not before the storm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, now, yeah, the, the storm. Well, that could be, the M could be microservices, couldn't it? Yeah, you can, yeah. You can yeah, have that for nothing. Like that. Um, <laughs> so, Given that, uh, these are, what have we learned? We've learned that um, some of these base principles need to be reapplied, need to be recast in the context that we're seeing. We've, we've learned that um, uh, everything's really dynamic. And uh, so however much you might want to six pack, the, 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 the whole notion has, has, is always struggling to, to keep up with the, the level of fantastic change that we're seeing. And, 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 but we've learned also that some of the base principles are, are, um, are, are solid and, uh, and worthy and, and can be applied. So what would you say um, that when, when you're speaking to organizations, when, when you're speaking to people working with organizations to, to make this stuff happen, what would you say that now currently are the biggest kind of things getting in the way of of success would, would, you know if you could wave your magic wand what what would you kind of uh, cast it on i think everyone wants a quick fix you know that's the reality because you know and i think that's the biggest hindrance because you know i think the fact is it's quite interesting we go in you know the pendulum always swings and i think the reality now is that you can never get away from good planning and neither should you get away from good architecture and a good, you know, strategic vision, as well as a tactical, tactical execution. But all of that requires you to think about what it is that you actually want to do. I can't even begin to kind of, you know, sort of, you know, say how many times when I go and see an organization and, you know, and sometimes, you know, they say, well, we've taken this on board and you kind of, you almost want to ask, but why, you know, can you explain? And if you can, if they can explain, then that's fine. I don't have a problem with that because it means that they've actually thought about it and there's a clear, there's a clear, you know, sort of um, relationship to what they're going to measure and what they know that they're going to get out of it. But I think, and that's great. And it doesn't matter what that is to a certain extent, but it has to be something that actually has meaning. And we talk about meaningful value or whatever, but it's got to be something that's actually going to either, you know, do something that is important for that organization, whether that's, you know, sort of, strengthening their client base you know delivering things faster engaging with you know their employees or their clients etc etc whatever it is it has to have meaning and value 
that is relatable to what the organization wants to do. And that means that you do have to take time to sort of think about what it is that you're that you want to achieve. I mean, it's a bit like, you know, I, I always find it in, you know, interesting that some things come really natural to people, you know, in, in certain in certain environments and others, you just can't see how they can't see the connection. So for instance, if you were going to build something like an extension, you'd get an architect in, you know, you'd sort of say, well, they'd ask you what it is that you want. You know, you'd say, well, actually, I want this inside this, you know, the confines of the land I own, and I'd like it to look like this. And then they'd go away with a, you know, go away and do their drawing. And then they'd say, well, is this what you're thinking about? And you'd go, oh, yeah, actually. And I saw this. Can we add this in? So they'd go away, do the count. And then they'd say, here's his, here's what it is within the regulations. Here's what blah, blah, blah. Oh, and here's the price. And then you guys either say, yeah, okay, that's great. Or for the most of us, it'd be like, yeah, yeah. Hell. Okay, <laughs> okay. For... Forget that, we'll stick with the ladder. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But then you, at least you know, you go in it with eyes full open and you just say, yeah, okay, fine. And then it means that everybody else who comes and does that job, your builders, you know, your bricklayers, the plumbers, the electricians, everybody knows what they're going to do and where they where they fit in and when the problems arise you can then sort of say there's a big picture about what's actually going to what it needs to happen at the end versus what you need to change at that problem at that particular time and you know but we get that in building we get that why don't we get that in anything else i mean it's not really that hard um and i think that's the challenge that i see for a lot of um, organizations, I think because we, we spend our time chasing our tails, you know, we spend our time doing what the diet industry loves us to do, which is looking for a quick fix. The laws of physics. <laughs> I mean, is, is, is it that we're still a bit duped? I mean, I'm thinking back, um, you know, when we were talking about the, the timeless art of, uh, of, of architecture and, and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but the, the way that uh, technology and, and software has moved from the kind of cathedral building model to, to the, the bizarre approach where it, it's, it's more chaotic and it's more kind of dynamic and so on and so forth. And did we lose something in that where we kind of uh, embraced chaos um, well, thinking? Sure. It, yeah. it's like the whole continuous thing so i'm just thinking yeah. this through. it's like the whole continuous thing where continuous integration for example is not actually possible without an awful lot of structure and, and pre-planning oh, totally i mean to be honest with you i always think that do you know what it is and this is the kind of thing that we always we are you're right about the word jute and because we think that discipline is boring you know, it's not innovation. We want to be excited. We want to do some amazing things and we all want to make our mark. But the reality is, I mean, I always say this, um, anyone who knows me is, you know, discipline is the gateway to innovation. Always is, always has been, always will be, and sustainable innovation. I'm not saying that you can't suddenly get sort of moments of, you know, sort of um, inspiration or, you know, you see things that suddenly, you know, you're, you, you, you see things that make a difference there and then. But I think in the long haul, um, you know, it's, it is about having some sort of structure because only then can you really kind of say, you know, sort of really chart it, have that. We talk a lot at the moment um, about control. And I think control is a really, you know, is an operative word is that we're all looking for a level of control. But the thing is, is that to alter, have that level of control and that level of flexibility 
and all of the things that we talk about, you know, which are bo- yeah, sometimes some of these words are boring words, but actually they all stem from that kind of structure, that kind of discipline, that kind of framework, that kind of insight, even with artificial intelligence or intelligence as I, you know, actual intelligence, as I jokingly say, uh, is the fact that intelligence comes from the ability to learn what from past experiences and to learn from the data that you all have. But the only way you're going to do that is if you have the structure to be able to do that. And so therefore, you know, suddenly, it's one of the things which I find really bizarre that when people go on about, oh, I'm going to use AI, and you know, you just simply say, well, okay, how is your analytics story? How's your appetite for that? And it's like, it's almost like a complete disconnect. You know, it's just like, how the hell are you going to do AI if you've got no, no means of really understanding analysis or analytics capability? So it's just like, and that's, and that's what I think that, you know, it's that whole sort of, um, you know, sort of belief system that you'll just get it, you know, just by, you know, using this technology or by doing X thing in, you know, in isolation, we'll suddenly become this amazing organization that's really running really, really fast, uh-huh. right? Let's look at the people. Let's look at the guys who, and the, all, you know, the, and I say guys in the kind of, you know, sort of masculine, feminine sort of. <laughs> sort generic of sense. Yep. Yeah, generic sense. Um, but let's look at the organizations who do really well. You know, I mean, one of the things, you know, I kind of think, you know, when, when all of this lockdown environment happened and there was this kind of sudden move to everything streaming. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to sort of, you know, tout anyone's, you know, sort of trumpet, but I was always quite impressed with the fact that, you know, one of the things that everyone sort of said, or with Netflix, for instance, the bandwidth was going to be, you know, an issue because, you know, um, all those people who were getting the high quality side. So they were able to kind of say, right, okay, we're just going to, you know, you know, sort of reduce that bandwidth. So you'll still get your programs. And, you know, sometimes there are, you know, glitches and everything like that. So it's not perfect. Uh-huh. But the ability to be able to say, we can do that, you know, we can reduce it, scale it down, just like that. That is kind of like, they couldn't do that if they didn't really understand their infrastructure and their framework and their application. Mm-hmm. They have that level of discipline. And the, I think the that net, is the ultimately... Go on, sorry. And I'm just saying, I think that is ultimately where organizations need to go to that level. And that doesn't always mean that you're going to have to be, you know, I'm not saying that you've got to have the latest gadgets or anything like that. No, no, no. That's one of the things is that I think eventually people will understand what the the right technology as opposed to any technology. Uh Right. So that is one of the things I think is important. But I think those who are able to, really have that handle on things, that discipline will be able to move fast, right? And they'll be able to move fast in the context of what their business is and what their challenges are as an organization and their industry. It, you know, and it will be different for two organizations in the same industry, you know, uh-huh. it will be. But I think uh-huh. actually, you know, because organizations are like, you know, they're entities like people and no two people are, you know, kind of alike, as they say. So I think that's the real thing. And, so, it, you know, I think people miss. That, that brings, I mean, two, two thoughts there. One is uh, the, the, the Netflix chaos monkeys uh, you know, that would run amok on, on the Netflix infrastructure yeah. um, were made, were made for this situation, weren't they? Uh, but, mm-hmm. but the second thing is it, it brings us to a dilemma. And I, I want to go to... Um, your thoughts on, on the how, if you like. So we, we've got the kind of the, the what, 
but uh, I want to, uh, some p pithy thoughts on on uh, on the how to get there. Um, but the dilemma I see is that um, you're talking about structure, you're talking about control, you're talking about discipline. A lot of the big companies that that we're speaking to, they're actually pretty good at structure and and you know, controls and kind of uh, and, and in fact they're possibly too good at it. Um, uh, but it's it's something that if you said to a large organization, you're going to have to have policies and structure and rules they'll be, and governance. They're like, great, we've got a whole department that can do that. So, yay. Um, so, so, but philosophically and culturally, they're kind of geared up for the for those notions. Um, uh, and if, if agility can only work with, uh, uh, as your point, with discipline and control, then they you're probably pushing on an open door for with with the bigger companies about that at the same yeah. time as recognizing that they are siloed they are monolithic they are kind of uh, overbearing and bureaucratic and, and, and so on and so forth so so if i might ask you to kind of um capture what needs to happen to to balance this dilemma and, and therefore deliver both innovation without throwing the discipline baby out with the bathwater um, and without just giving the keys over to the bureaucrats and saying, uh, yeah, you're now in charge of it and uh, uh, one delivery every six months is going to be fine. Right. Okay. Um, that's a good, that's a really, that's a really good point actually. And trying to distill that actually, one of the things is, as I, and I, as you were saying this, I was thinking it's a bit like the, the human body, you know, the brain is the set, you know, is the kind of the masterpiece, but actually, bits of the body just work in autonomous kind of environment, you know, and uh -huh. they kind of connect back up to the brain. And I think when I see, when I've spoken to organizations who have been doing um, a level of transformation well, and I say, when I say, you know, sort of, well, they've put on projects and they've done them and, you know, and they're seeing some sort of success and they're starting to, you know, that's what they were expecting. And I think the thing that really comes across is the fact that there may, there may be a central body who might have a strategic vision, right? But the reality is, is that you've got to devolve power and you've got to sort of allow people to, you know, have an environment where they can sort of do things that happen, you know, in a small way. And then you, you have to have the means to sort of, you know, um, sort of extract some of that, you know, sort of the good practices and the good, you know, environment, you know, the good sort of insights and learning and, you know, dissipate that into the, the rest of the um, organization. So I think the thing is, is that you can, you, you know, I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no sort of surprises that people talk about proof of concept, you know, as being a good environment to kind of like start kickstarting something and seeing whether it works. The challenge often is that, you know, in the, in the bit that we say kind of like, you know, the, um, 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 where we say kind of like fail fast, you know, all this kind of stuff, it's like, well, okay, yeah, you fail fast, but what does that actually mean? Um, mm -hmm. Without actually saying, well, okay, you may fail fast, but actually extract learning, you know, and then kind of like build that back in, you know, which is why we talk about the feedback loop, build that back into sort of saying, well, okay, how can we then scale that? And I think there's been this disjoint between that. I'll give you an example. I once talked to one company and they're a well-known company. And I'm not going to talk about their name at all. Two companies where they started off and they wanted to do a, um, they had a very good business, but they wanted to go into um, cloud 
and they wanted to take on some of the cloud, you know, sort of uh, capabilities. And what they did is they, they sat and watched um, and, you know, sort of looked at the industry for a little bit to sort of get some sense of what was kind of being, you know, sort of um, some of the common practices and who was doing things and what they liked. And they found, they kind of, you know, they honed in on a particular area and a particular company. And they kind of thought, well, okay, we're going to now separate this particular group to do some of the kind of like, you know, to kind of work in the sort of dynamics that we've seen that works and we're happy with and to sort of really understand how it works for us. And, um, and I thought that was, a, was kind of amazing the way that they took that attitude. And it's kind of a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of an innovative attitude because you're going to basically say, do you know what? We're going to let this group just do their thing. They're going to learn and the rest of the business is going to carry on doing the way it works. And then they kind of started saying, oh, well, this is really great. We're starting to see some really great results. We're starting to see what works for us and what doesn't work for us. And then also, because they started also talking about it and they were really quite communicative, the rest of the business started thinking, well, hold on just a minute. I want to be part of that. That looks really exciting. It looks like they're really achieving something and I want to be part of that. So they were much more, the rest of the business was much more you know, conducive to taking on some of those practices because they could see the outcomes, they could see the benefits, they could see that this other group was winning and they wanted to be winners too. So I think that was a really, but that takes a lot of guts and a lot of commitment and a very, very strong kind of leadership team and quite some strategy and vision because they knew what the outcome they wanted ultimately, which was a new business to kind of leverage cloud. And, and then they brought the rest of their company with them at a pace that made sense. And I mm. think the challenge that we always say is that you have to do everything fast. It's got to be today. I mean, do you know what? For four years, we kept saying about the same five companies. We talked about Airbnb, we talked about Uber, we talked about all of these companies, and as if they were the only companies in the world that did anything, right? But the reality is each one of those companies have had problems, right? And in fact, we're starting to see disruption and innovation coming from within the incumbents inside of the various industry sectors. Mm. So I think the thing is, is that, yes, we can move fast, but actually speed is relative. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, it sounds like I'm talking like Einstein, you know, about Einstein's relativity and all that kind of stuff. But it's right, we, t we, we forget some of these basic principles. And like we tend to kind of hurt mentality, you know, lemming-like and all the kind of things that are associated with that actually, if we were to really look at the way that, you know, um, successful businesses or successful projects, because it's not always the hot, you know, but successful projects and things that it is about that kind of like recognition that things start off small and there is a steady state and a steady pace. Brilliant. So I think that's the thing that I would say for most companies is that, you know, I have been following people who've been doing transformation and been successful in transformation. Um, and I've been interviewing people for many, many years. And some things are brilliant. You know, it doesn't always save a company, even when they do something great at one point, that's great for one minute, but then they fall down in other areas. And so it's, it's a much more connected story. But I would say that there has to be a clear relationship between, you know, strategy and vision and what your outcome is and then being able to kind of farm it out to, you know, and be allowing people. It's like, you know, it's parents, and I'm a parent of a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old, is that sometimes you're going to have to say, you're going to have to let them go. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Because, you know, to a certain extent, you, you've hopefully done enough that they will learn. And that's what business has to kind of think. There are groups. So let your people be, you know, you give them the autonomy, give them the power, empower them, right? Mm. Because you trust them. So it's not just about you being an organization that's trustworthy. It's about you being able to trust your people, your partners, your suppliers. And, and in order to get that, that's a kind of virtual environment. You've got to create that. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I know it's a bit sort of like motherhood and apple pie and a bit. No, it, it's not. No, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why it isn't. Because often uh, on these uh, podcasts, uh, you get to the, certainly often when we're speaking to vendors, you know, tools vendors that sort of have, have all the DevOps stuff sorted, that they'll say, oh, and yeah, in order to make it work, you need a cultural shift. And you need strong leadership and, and uh, you need these kind of, and that's where it gets into motherhood. It's just kind of, well, yeah, therefore it just becomes woolly. And, but what you're actually saying is here's a route to doing it. You need strong, a strong core and mm-hmm. yet you need a, an enabling culture that uh, uh, allows uh, innovation to happen and then can learn from that innovation. So it's very much a kind of hub and spoke model. And I, I think that's more than motherhood. I think that's, that's actually uh, uh, an organizational structural shift that, that, that that's very solid. And, uh, and I almost I, want to draw would, a picture here. Yeah. And I want so. to add to that failure. You should allow people to fail because actually, do you know what? Some of your best learnings will come from failure. Mm. And I think we're too, you know, some, some, some industries and some nations are better at that than others, right? But you can't, and I think that maybe that is one of the things that really came out in the early days of DevOps, was that it was about stopping this blame culture of, well, someone, someone's, someone's at fault, you know, and I really want to kind of find that and then blame, let the blame on them. And that's not right. That's not right. Because actually, you know what? If someone made a mistake, well, you know, yes, it could have been, you know, you, you know, you might have said, well, they might have made a silly mistake or it could have been an unavoidable mistake. Mm. But you know what? Unless you learn from it and let people to feel that they can make mistakes and then come and, you know, sort of come back and learn from it. You know, that's not going to, you're not going to get any better. You know, you really aren't. And you know what? Mm. You'll keep making the same old mistakes and then people will just put it under the, yeah, they'll hide it under the carpet and then before long, you just don't actually know what the hell's going on. I think it's one of those, you, by, by, by looking too hard for things going wrong, you stop seeing the things that are going right. It, it, yeah. And you stop seeing the things that you should actually change. So, I mean, that, that what, one, wonderful, but I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's your last word on the subject. Or if you've got any, that's your last <laughs> word on the subject. Then, <laughs> then stop, stop the blame culture, people out there. Um, and, uh, well, I mean, that, that, that was really helpful and, and really insightful. And, and thank you so much for, for joining me on, on this podcast. And uh, uh, the, you people out there, if, if you've got any questions uh, or, or feedback you want, you want to send, you can um, uh, approach us on, on the usual channels and I'll, I'll, I'll fire anything through to Bola and, uh, and, and we, we can pick it up from there. But uh, just remains for me to say once again, thank you, Bola, for, for joining me on, on this podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, John. Love talking to you always, always. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Voices and Innovation with John Collins. For more future forward advice on the emerging technology and trends of IT and the technology industry, be sure to check out gigaohm.com. We have blogs, this podcast, 
and an amazing number of insightful reports that you can buy either single or subscribe to get all of our impressive knowledge base. For Giga Ohm, I am Johnny Baldersberger, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.